Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Um, hello, Moto America fans. Welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I am Bice, and I'm joined by our communications manager, Paul Carruthers. And we have the rare pleasure of speaking on this podcast. We talk to him all the time, but on this podcast- with- We do it yearly. Yeah, we do. We did it last year with our chief chief operating officer, Chuck Axland, who we did talk to uh, about the schedule last time and it's schedule time. So we're going to we're going to talk to Chuck. But before we do that, I want to mention again, we're at New Jersey Motorsports Park. Um, We've kind of put this one in the can. So it's going to run a little bit after our New Jersey Motorsports Park weekend. So we can't really say how everything went or what happened because it's Thursday prior to that. But um, when this runs, um, we'll know what it what happened and uh, we'll go from there, I guess. Um, Chuck, thanks for joining us. Uh, the schedule is something you're kind of working on year round, isn't it? Pretty much so. But don't we get to talk about the weather first? Because yeah. every podcast I listen to, you guys <laughs> talk about the weather. Even, we don't want to <laughs> talk about it for this one. Yeah. 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 Well, like, like, again, we'll know what it was like, but we're hoping, know, yeah, we're hoping sure. it veers off course. I think offshore. it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, just... beautiful today. <laughs> yeah, but. exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, I knew you work on it. It's not just something you kind of do around... So it used to be when we would go to, or any racing organization would go to a venue, there was always something that would come out about, okay, we're, we've renewed the contract or we're going to come back there next year. We don't quite do it that way, but you you do talk to these tracks when we're on a race weekend at, at their event. Is that right? It just depends on the situation. Some, some of the racetracks we have multi-year agreements with, but uh, certainly... Juggling the, the the dates and and the venues is probably one of the most challenging thing, things I think almost any promoter goes through. Right, it, it's a uh, it's not easy, especially when you're bringing new tracks in. Um, it's it's just uh, it's not fun. Right, and I know we we can't even talk about it today because it's not even decided yet. But the difficult part it seems for me now is like we have so many classes and they're good and they all have popularity. And yet we we can't have them all at every race. Yeah. And this was something that really posed a challenge last year for the first time because we, you know, we we would go to some races and and some classes would would race one time. You know, we'd bring Junior Cup and Twins out to Laguna Seca. A lot of most of the riders were on the East Coast, bring them all the way out West and they'd each race once. So. You know, the, the issue there was they all wanted to race twice. So we tried to accommodate that starting this year. And anybody that raced, you know, with us, we tried to have two opportunities to do that, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. So that does add complications because we have too many classes for the amount of hours in a day. Right. And so we had it's to, like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. So we had to kind of do some splitting. And, you know, I think in the beginning, not too many people were happy with it. I think Stock Thousand raced five events this year, 10, 10 races. Um, but in some aspects, you know, Junior Cup was more or less a East Coast series this year. And we saw the participation grow from 16 to 18 to 30, you know, right. we've had sometimes. So, right. so there's pros and cons to all of it. And it's, um, I don't think we're going to make 100% of the people happy. You know, we just try and do the best we can for with what we're given. You know, it feels like from our point of view, what, what we do with the press conferences and media and everything is five classes on a race weekend seems to be a pretty good sweet spot in terms of what we do. So obviously we have more classes than five, but five seems to work pretty well most of the time. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I would agree with that because if you try and and we've done it in the past, we've had six and sometimes seven, I think, right. even. Yeah. But but then to me, it, it interferes with the fan activities you have going on at the track. You know, we're getting a lot of people that come out for parade laps and for the autograph sessions and. You know, we have a lot of things to do now at the races, the kids' carnivals and stunt shows. And, and so if you just have 100% racing on track all the time, there's not the opportunity for people to get up and go, you know, visit the other things. So yeah, five, five is a good spot. Everybody gets a break during the day. You know, we still have to have enough flexibility in the schedule in case there's red flags or, you know, conditions that delay the, the program. Um, man, when the schedule is packed tight and you run into problems, it's, it's an issue for it's those stressful. guys in race control for sure. You know, I think this Moto America is a little bit of this idea, give the people what they want. And I know we respond to what the fans like and want. And we've done that with classes we've had. But let's talk about a, a track that since we Moto America started in 2015, everybody every year is like, what about Mid-Ohio? What about Mid-Ohio? Well, we're going back to Mid-Ohio. And you tell us the process behind that. I, be, I believe you visited the track after Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, you know, I think Paul on our weekly calls, he's summed it up best. You know, it's going to be interesting to put out a calendar and, and the question's not going to be, how come we're not going to Mid-Ohio? Right. You know, it's right. going to be the first time ever. But, uh, you know, the biggest uh, hindrance for us going back was obviously the condition of the racetrack and not being able to race in the wet. Um, and I kind of got wind at um, Laguna Seca, um, Jesse from Disrupt Racing, you know, he had a, had a guy there working with him who's actually a, an instructor at the school. And he uh, said, hey, they might be making some improvements, so you should start talking to him. So, you know, being that is a fan favorite, I got in touch with him after Laguna. And uh, we went and looked on the Monday after Pittsburgh and got a good idea of the plans. And it was interesting because we took Jason Prigmore and Chris Ulrich along with myself and Dan Argano and the you know one of the biggest issues as well was the guardrail yes. you know being too close to Thunder Alley and a couple other 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 places but it's funny Jason and Chris are kind of looking and they're like oh, I don't remember it like that and right. then come to find out they they moved that guardrail probably 7 8 years ago wow. you know and um but still the, the the hindrance was the condition of the racetrack and they're making some improvements to that and which is going to allow us to go back yeah, it was kind of a bummer in the history of Mid-Ohio, and, and Paul knows this. There was a time before they repaved it where they had a lot of concrete patches, and those were interesting because there was edging to it. But the riders, it turned out, actually preferred that to this last pave because, as Josh Hayes says, he says, it feels like the track is alive when I'm on it. And it's interesting that Paul got a quote from Josh for the press conference because – I know Josh likes that track and loves everything about the fans there, but he wasn't a fan of that surface. So we're all obviously all anxious to see what the repave is going to be like. Um, when is when is the repave supposed to be done? Do you know? Uh, I don't know exactly, but it'll be done by the time we get there. Okay. That's, <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And yeah. I, I mean, we've seen the response already. It's yeah. just been like crazy good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if everybody that emails and tells how excited they are actually shows up at the race, we'll, we'll gonna, be good to go. It's going to be a yeah. great event for sure. Yeah. Right? But it's true. I mean, they just like the emails are just nonstop. Right. Yeah. And the and, response to the press release. And, and, the, and the racetrack had the same comment to me this morning. You know, they're just, the response is great. And I think you showed us some articles from the local presses engaged in it and so, uh, yeah, really looking forward to going back. Yeah, the area, the media in that area really supports that track. I know with IndyCar there, I mean, there's a lot of coverage for that. And I remember in the past, they were pretty good about superbike racing and yeah. all our classes. But 
Um, and of course, I'm a fan because it's 45 minutes from my house. And Chuck, you didn't know this, but I actually moved to Ohio because of Mid Ohio. Oh, you did. I took a job with an ad. <laughs> I did. I you did. learned something every day about this guy. I, I, I took a I took a job with through a headhunter with an ad agency in Columbus just so I could be near Mid Ohio because I used to be near. Loudon, and I know we're never going to be able to go back there, but, <laughs> but um, I just loved Mid Ohio so much, and then it went off the schedule. So I'm pretty psyched about. So I guess the big question is, are you going to stay in your own bed? Well, I could, yeah. I could. In fact, you know, our group does Airbnbs. I don't know if I have to turn my house into an Airbnb or not, but <laughs> I don't know how my wife feels about that. But the bigger question is, you're not going to move to the Isle of Man, are you? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I'll do that. I don't know, um, and we won't be racing to the Isle of Man. <laughs> yeah, that's that. right. But of course, that, that Mid Ohio is a big deal um as far as the schedule goes and we and we haven't seen it yet i think paul has seen it are there, are there any other surprises let me ask you vir is vir on the schedule no vir is not on the schedule uh we tried you know just there's date conflicts and we couldn't couldn't make it happen um you know that's something that comes up every year with uh kerrigan and you know we have that discussion but we just can't land on a date it's again that's just part of the whole jigsaw you know once once they you know, they put something else on our date last year, which prohibited us from from going back or this year, I guess. Um, it's just hard to find the right slot to fit into all of our other, you know, events. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep working on that and see what the future brings. The, the event that's not going to be a part of the schedule next year is pit race. And okay. um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. We like going there. Yes. I don't I'm not going to say we'll never go back there. You know, I hope hope we can make some arrangements to, to get back at some point. But um, it's just not going to work out for next year. And, and it doesn't have to do with uh, the when we got Pittsburgh, it was like the mid Ohio people came over to Pittsburgh, it felt like. And so now we got mid Ohio back. That doesn't mean they don't cancel each other out it's just a different reason for pittsburgh not on the schedule uh, a little bit of a, a a different reason that we didn't actually get resolved but but having the i think they're within an hour and a half of each other yes. two hours maximum yep and and kind of where pittsburgh actually mid ohio is going to be on the date that pittsburgh would have been running so oh. so to have those two kind of back to back wouldn't have really right. made sense right and um but no, it's a great place. We, we, Jim and Kathy that, that own the place is, are great people. And um, hopefully it'll open up for us to go back in the future. People have to remember too, like we're not the only game that's in town that's trying to get racetracks. I mean, there's car racing organizations, there's track days, there's all kinds of stuff. And, and the pool is pretty limited on, you know, really well, good racetracks. Well, racetracks only have a certain number of days and you know, there are a lot that of damn winter gets in the way. The winter gets in the way back east anyway. It right? does. Yes. Even in Laguna Seca, winter <laughs> time gets in the way. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of competition out there for dates. OK, so we're going to Daytona. Going to Daytona. Was that, is that a difficult event from your side? I think the first year was difficult from the challenges we had um, weather with the weather and all that. Uh, this year, I thought went pretty smooth. You know, we had a lot of controversy in the end with the 200, but it was great racing. And um, I mean, to watch all the bikes, uh, I just love watching them on the bank. You know, yes. it's uh, it's. I was watching the 200 the other day, actually on TV, and it's uh, Twins Cup class was on Moto America TV. And just happened to catch it, and it's it's cool, you know. There's everybody in the draft and stuff. So, mm -hmm. the speedway, um, I think, I think you know that first year they didn't know what to expect from us. We didn't know what to expect from from them, but uh, they've been great to work with, and and um, you know we're good friends of them too. And you know their goal is to uh, continue to build that event up, and and I think um, you know, had a big improvement this year over the the year before with spectators and so forth. So some good momentum I think going into next year. 
So with the addition of Mid-Ohio, mostly the schedule's pretty much the same then, at least as far as where we go. Pretty much. Uh, Brainerd's going to stay on the schedule, and that's actually going to follow Road America. So it'll be a little bit... Um, it won't be in August, I guess, is when we ran this year. It'll be in June, which, uh, according to the track, is a better time of year, actually, up there. Um, smaller mosquitoes. Smaller mosquitoes, yeah. <laughs> they don't have as long to grow, right? <laughs> <laughs> much time to grow. So the rest of it's pretty much the same. We'll be ending the year back here in New Jersey about a week later than now, I believe. Uh, we're going back to Coda. So the last three races of the season will be Mid-Ohio, Circuit of the Americas, and here at New Jersey. Okay, well, that answers a question for me because I was going to ask about Circuit of the Americas, whether we were going to do another standalone or we we're going to go with MotoGP. We did the standalone this past couple weeks ago. Heat was a factor, obviously. I think I'm sure it affected a little bit of the attendance, but you saw enough to say, "Well, let's let's do another standalone next year." No, for sure. If you want to kind of compare events, although it didn't look like it, you could almost compare Coda to Road Road Atlanta. You know, wow. Road Atlanta is a smaller venue. It looks yeah, more it looks crowded, but and... uh, it was not far off of that. Wow. There were a lot of people up in the suites, and you know, their main parking lot was completely full. Okay, so. Um, it was a good event. We had a good vibe, I think, in the paddock with it. You know, DJ and all the different activities yeah. going on. So uh, the people at Circuit of the Americas, Bobby Epstein and Reed Atherton and, and, and that whole group, I think were impressed about the, the show that we brought. And um, yeah, I'm excited for next year. Yeah, that's good to have that where it is. I think I enjoyed it being separate. And I'm, it's not that I have anything against MotoGP. It's, it's just nice to have the facilities to ourselves and we can go where we want to and do what we want to do and our fans can do the same. Yeah, and I think we did see some comments from fans that they enjoyed that freedom of walking in the paddock and oh. meeting the riders and all that. So Yeah, and I mean, that's such a big thing about our series, Chuck, is this idea of the open paddock. I mean, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, it drives me crazy sometimes with Formula One or these sports where they keep their, their teams, their drivers, drivers away in these ivory towers and you don't get to see them and if you do it's like a big deal and i guess you spend that, a lot of money to see them yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah. it's like it's like you know you're you're privileged to be able to do that and it's a privilege to have meet our riders but if you come to our race you get to you can see our riders it's wide open you can walk through the paddock and yep. all our riders to a man and a woman will sign autographs and do anything they want that's a, a real difference about our series wouldn't you say well i think you know yeah you're likely to bump into riders you know superbike riders and bagger riders but i think the the other good part about that is you could you know most of the the canopies are open so you know you're watching the mechanics work on the bikes and getting them prepared for the next session and, and all of that so i think that that is quite unique mm -hmm. at coda it was funny because i was in the you know that cooling off area they had like on the way to the media center yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah so jake gagne was walking through obviously to go to the bathroom and i watched some little kid like tugging on his dad's shirt like <laughs> like he couldn't oh. believe like jake gagne just walked past him you know but that that That's doesn't really happen cool. everywhere yeah you know, it's just. I just love the fact that, you know, we encourage our fans to go up and talk to any of these riders. They're not going to turn you down. They always like to talk to our our uh, fans out there because they know it's the fans, you fans that do it for us. So um, yeah. it's so important in our series and it's grown every year since 2015. So I think there, the, one of the things I think we, we should be proud of and, and some of it's luck and some of it's not. But I mean, we there's seven. I, I wrote about it in the press release that went out this morning. There's seven championships. And there's a possibility of all seven of those being won by seven yeah, different that's amazing. Isn't it? I really mean, is. I don't know that I've ever seen that. No, no, that's I incredible. mean, okay, so, you know, we have a spec class in there. Okay, so whatever, but Yeah, still, you knew Royal Enfield is going to win their yeah, class, Yeah, they're right? pretty <laughs> much a shoe-in for that. But, <laughs> yep. but, but uh, the other one, I mean, it's cool. There's like a Yamaha Superbike. There's a Suzuki Stock 1000. There's, 
there's going to be Harley Davidson baggers. There's Aprilia, Indian. Aprilia. There's Aprilia. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, when I saw that, I was just like, wow, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this yeah, before. Yeah, I've never heard of anything like that either, yeah. for sure. It speaks to parody for sure. The other thing, I mean, this is a couple of weeks after we were at New Jersey. I, I got to keep that in mind. But as we talk to you, I want to talk, ask you about this. So we, we, the previous podcast to this, we had Dallas Daniels on. Of course, he raced in our series and then he went to AFT. He really wanted to get back into road racing and he's going to want to continue that. And also this weekend, Michaela Moore, who was a champion in build train races, racing in junior cup. It's cool that we have Riders that come back from other disciplines and also riders that are moving up from, it's kind of a, I don't know what, we, what you call it, if it's a, a d demonstration class, build, train, race. I know it's real racing, but she's, she's going to, she's a, prof she's going to be a professional if you call it that. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, you got to feel good about that, that we're showing these rungs in the ladder that people are moving into and stepping up. No, and I mean, the big, biggest example of that is Brandon Posh. Wasn't he our first KTM Cup yeah. yes. champion or, yes. or whatever. Now yep. he's a super bike racer. Yeah. So, yep. you know, he didn't follow all the steps exactly, but, you know, uh, guys have that opportunity to go from twins, you know, for junior cup to twins to super sport on up. So, yep. and it's great to see Michaela, you know, taking that leap in the junior cup and, you know, she's got a great style. She does everything correctly on a motorcycle that you could see. So I'm interested to see how Me she too. does. Yeah. 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 It's, it's also funny that I forgot what I was going to say. It was <laughs> funny. Must have been a lie. <laughs> no, it's good to see. But, well, it's what, what I was going to say is it's like it's interesting that the paths they ch they choose to take, and and the junior the junior cup class obviously is where you're going to enter. But then some have gone to super sport and some have gone to twins cup. The twins cup amazes me because it used to be. When we first started, it was like an old guy's class. Yeah. And then now it's like evolved into yeah. like your young kid coming from junior cup class. For sure. Yeah. And, it's kind of cool. and, and the racing has been excellent. It has yeah. been good. The other thing I want to ask you about, Chuck, is of course, recently we had the announcement that Mission King of the Baggers or King of the Baggers is going to be in Europe in some way, shape or form. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but they're going to form their own kind of thing based on that. So we, we were the prototype for that. Um, can you talk about the global uh, popularity of Mission King of the Baggers and personally how you feel about King of the Baggers and where it, where it started and where it is now? That's a lot of the question. Yeah, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, to, to take King of the Baggers to Europe, um, you know, basically we have a relationship with Stuart Higgs from the British Superbike Championship. And, and uh, we've been asked by some sponsors and, you know, the manufacturers, hey, can we take this thing abroad? And, and it's pretty difficult to try and run a European series from over here. And so we made an agreement with Stuart to really start off with a fact-finding mission. One, you know, the press release did draw, you know, a lot of interest on his side, and he's exploring some different opportunities over there. You know, whether we have a series next year or one race or we don't know yet, um, you know, we, we try and talk every couple of weeks, but we'll see how that progresses. But certainly somewhere down the road, there'll be a bagger, King of the Baggers Europe version, so... Would it would it be it'll be in with British Superbike then somehow? Not, not necessarily. Okay. You know, before we did the agreement with him, I, I reached out to a couple of promoters: uh, Claude Mitchy, who does the French Grand Prix; um, Lee Van Dam, who promotes Assen, you know, MotoGP race. They all have different types of events, you know, other than just MotoGP at their at their circuits. And so, you know, there was some interest from from those guys. Um, you know, to put it with, I think Claude Mitchie promotes Spa, the 24-hour. Um, so there's some opportunities for some support races at other places. But I think, 
I think over there you could have a standalone King of the Baggers hooligans type event in Germany that turn into a big Oktoberfest party type thing, you know? So Yeah, I mean American V twins are a big deal in Europe, right? I mean 100%, yeah, yeah, I mean you talk to Jeremy McWilliams, that war is Harley Davidson, but I mean Indians got a big presence over there. It's cool that they really embrace those and nowhere to race them. Right. No. Up till now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But but back to King of the Baggers in general, from where we started at Laguna Seca to now, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about the fact that it's we're, we're doing these two race rounds and, you know, it's, it's a legitimate championship. The riders that are in it are hugely talented. The development of the bikes is incredible. I mean, tell, give us your assessment so far. It's probably certainly not what we expected at that first race, right. you know, the first right. round, because it was like, let's try this. And, and we did it. And, um, it's been a lot of work, to be honest. You know, those are bikes that aren't race bikes by any means, but they have evolved into race bikes. And credit to both the Harley and Indian engineers. You know, last year we kind of set a target for them as, you know, hey, we can't have these things blowing up. We have to have we have to have availability of the parts so dealerships could, you know, build teams up and build these bikes. And and so we come up with some some a rules package uh, to go into effect this year, and we actually tried to bring back, you know, detune them a little bit, put some rev limiters on them. And, you know, it was our surprise, probably the biggest surprise of the year is when they turned up the Daytona and they were going 10 mile an hour faster with all these restrictions we thought we'd right. put into place. So <laughs> right. it just shows where, you know, they're still taking it to the next level. Yeah. And um, I've told, you know, told both manufacturers, I hope you don't go another 10 because they're going to be doing 190 miles an hour at Daytona. It's pretty sketchy. It's but, crazy. But no, they're... Um, uh, yeah, it's clearly a fan favorite. You know, it's very popular. It's got a got a good uh, packet of riders in there. You know, it's uh, championships coming down. It's three guys that could, you know, any one of them could take it. Second mm -hmm. year in a row, right? Last yeah. year was winner three take Three different all. personalities for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said Indian and Harley, both of them have done a great job to to try and keep the reliability there, and but also try and you know s spread it out so there could be more teams in the future. Well, speaking of more teams, we see this comment sometimes. This is this is an American big twin Harley Davidson versus Indian rivalry, and that's what the series is all about. We occasionally get people say stuff like, "What about the BMW? What about you know the Yamaha or yeah. the Honda? W what about that? I mean, is it is it, is it would it?" Would it affect the purity of this American thing that we've got going? Or, or have you entertained the idea? Uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but that's kind of the debate, right? I mean, would it, if you had a, a Honda V-Twin go out and beat Harley and Indian, what would that turn the whole thing into? Right. We, you know, we don't know if that'd be a good thing or a bad thing or, or, or what. Right. Um, I guess that... That's a wait and see, you know. We, we, I we, say if we it do, ain't bro broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is kind of fun with, the, you know, the, the V-Twins, especially at Coda going down the front straightaway, just the sound they make. So yes. I think it needs to stay a V-Twin type, right. type category. But, um, yeah, that's that's one for debate. I don't yeah. know. I don't have the answer to that. As far as the idea of it going in Europe, is that kind of a mandate from Pink King, their formula of King of the Baggers? Is it is it kind of, is it American? Is it Indian versus Harley-Davidson there too? Well, it's our decision at the end of the day. Okay. And, and basically they would use our rule book and, and you know, implement what we do here. So I think okay. that's what would, would be, be the appeal there more so yeah. than even here. Right. Because yeah. they just love anything American, American. and those big V twins, nothing's nothing's more American than a bagger. Right. Right. So I think that, you know, that's really where the appeal would, yeah. would lie. Yeah, for sure. That. For sure. And we've talked about this before, Chuck. I, I 
am unabashed in my love of Twins Cup. I love it. I loved it from the beginning, but I certainly <laughs> love it now. I love the tuner side of it. I like the fact that a lot of riders have been involved in it. And we mentioned it seems to be a step up for from Junior Cup if they don't want to go directly to Super Sport. It's pretty viable. They have a good number of entries. It seems like that one's off and running and doing okay, right? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. You know, from where it started, I think this is the fourth year or something or mm-hmm. fifth year. Yeah. But I, I remember the first race. You know, at Road Atlanta, there were like eight entries, yeah, eight. and Wayne's going, "What are you doing?" Well, there, Jeff's you know? idea. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. He lost five pounds in sweat just yeah. watching eight guys uh, go around. Yep. Yeah. Well, then it then it got hugely popular, and then it was Wayne's idea. You know? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. A, yeah. And I gained all my weight back. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a it's a great class. It's a good stepping stone, like you said. It's super competitive, and you know, there's manufacturer interest in it, both Yamaha and Aprilia, and you know, we hear. You know, there are a couple other manufacturers that want to join the fray. So we'll be working over the winter to see if we can make something happen. There. Wow. Good. Yeah. yeah. It seems like it's, I don't know, chicken or the egg, but there are more manufacturers that are creating these twin cylinder sure. middleweight bikes and um, rider, even some of the other, doesn't BSB have like, are they going to have a twin? I think they're starting one next year. Right. Starting one. Yeah. Next year. So it's proliferating all <clears throat> around and we kind of did proof of concept on that. Like we have with Mission, Mission King of the Baggers too. Yep. Yep. So super sport. How are, you, how are you feeling about the balancing that's been going on with that? It seems like it's been pretty good. I mean, Chavi Flores this year, I know he went on that eight-race win streak, but it wasn't easy for him, and he's a world-class rider. So um, what Some, do you think? Sometimes uh, you, you judge it for doing the right thing when everybody complains about it. So every, every everybody, no matter what bike they're running, they complain that their bike's at a disadvantage. And But to me, on paper, they look you know, I, I I know where they are on the torque curves and you know RPMs and, and all of that, and they're they're all right there together. Right. Um, so, you know, I do think some racetracks suit some bikes, you know, more than others, and we've seen that a couple times this year. But I'm I'm happy with where it's at. At Coda, um, Nolan Lampkin clinched the the Superbike Cup, and he's going to he well we're in hindsight now because it's after he was presented with his twenty five thousand dollar check i believe it is for I think first. it'll be presented here yeah presented yeah. here but i'm saying we we were recording this before cause yeah because <laughs> we're two weeks ago but yes yeah. it's going to be presented here it's back to the we're future the past. and part of it is we didn't know who the third place winner was going to be i think that's still to be determined this weekend after you know even right. Right after the fact yeah yeah this future past present <laughs> so what what's the status of Superbike Cup? Is it going to be on? Is it going to be? Is it going to exist in twenty twenty four? Yeah, we we don't oh. have any plans to change it. Okay, you know, I think it's a good formula. Um, there's not as many uh, participants in it as you know there were last year. I don't think, but um, we still want to have that as an avenue where stock thousand guys could get a taste of Superbike, and they're not just out there you know spinning their wheels and burning up rubber. They have, you know, they have some incentive. So, but it's okay if there's less of them because they went full superbike because that no, would be the idea 100 percent. yeah yeah, yeah. So if whole, you just the whole idea is to get, a, get them involved in a superbike class and hopefully they they enjoy that and see it as a, a path forward well dude i, I love you for that because superbike cup stock 1000 I, I think those are great and you think for, everything's great well i do but stock 1000 our entries have been crazy and yeah, it's like yeah. i mean if we had all them in superbike i get that but yeah. i mean you know a stock 1000 hyper uh, leader bike is pretty impressive anyway as it is so it, it's a great way for them to understand how to ride that bike and move into superbike so i think it's a great step yeah for sure yeah so i think we've re- run out of time Chuck, we it went fast with us, but you know, let's do this again next year. 
I'm available during the season, too. So. Oh, okay. There you go. Five times um, a year. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, there you go. Thanks for joining us. The schedule, I think, may be, have been out by now or will be out around this time. We had a good time at New Jersey. Everything was fantastic. It may have rained. I don't know. But anyway, um, it's, it's good to have you fans on and keep watching us. Uh, off track with Crothers and Bice. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, guys.